0: welcome to the hoof and fang podcast i'm kurt graves hoof and fang is celebrating leap day with an epic once in a four-year cycle sale on february 29th 2024 every audiobook in our online store will be on sale for two dollars and 99 cents And every day leading up to February 29th, we are sharing a preview of our audiobooks right here in the Hoof & Fang podcast feed. Today, enjoy this special scene from the beginning of Mia Monroe's Eternal Sin, book one in the Immortal Assassins series. Several of our audiobooks are the first of a series, and if you want Hoof & Fang to produce subsequent books in that series, show us how much you want them by helping us spread the word about our Patreon and our upcoming sale. More information will be available at the end of this episode. Now, here's Eternal Sin. Prologue Florence, Italy, 1503 Walking through the crowded home, I make my way to the veranda for a bit of air. It is an honor to have been invited to the masquerade ball at the Medici Palace, one my father's stature in the community provides. However, the masks are more claustrophobic than I had realized. I find it somewhat disconcerting to be unable to recognize faces upon sight. The cool air of autumn eases my discomfort immediately. I lift my mask, inhaling the breeze as I lean over the railing, gazing out at the elaborate gardens. It isn't long before my thoughts drift to the dark place they always go to at events like this. What is the point? Obtaining wealth simply to show it off? Father says power is everything. Perhaps he is right. But with power comes danger. The Medici family would know that more than most. A figure appears beside me, drawing my attention away from my musings. He is taller than me, which is saying something at my imposing height. An unusual trait for an Italian. His hair is hard to describe, somewhere between blonde and brown. Dressed in a pristine outfit in all white, the gold buttons catching the flickering lights around us. He looks like a dream. Piercing gray eyes, so vibrant they seem to glow, peer out at me from behind the white mask that hides his features. Hello, good sir, the man says, an Irish accent obvious. Lovely evening, is it not? Yes, as lovely as your Latin, the man chuckles. Better than my Italian, I'm afraid. What brings you to Florence? Adventure, the man replies, gazing out over the garden. I needed a change of scenery. The art movement here fascinates me. He returns his gaze to me. Are you from Florence? Yes. Tell me more about adventure. I know of none. No? He tilts his head. Why is that? I am but a prisoner without a cage, kept under control by my father's good name and my mother's piety. Have you no parents? Not any anymore. He inhales the air both of us taking a glass of wine from a passing servant. I could show you adventure. How? He smiles before sipping his wine. His lips are plump and heart-shaped, very pink in tone. I've never seen lips like his. Something stirs in me, a menacing whisper I have spent many years resisting and burying deep inside me. You would have to trust me, I scoff. How could I? I do not even know your name. Eve. A French name for an Irishman. Eve chuckles. Whimsical, no? He bows slightly. Pleasure to meet you, fair Alessio. I raise an eyebrow. How do you know my name? Because I have watched you. He walks behind me, leaning so close I can feel his breath on my neck. I cannot keep my eyes off you. My body stiffens from his proximity. I... I don't understand. No? You think only women yearn to be your beloved. My stomach flutters. I... I am not that type of man. No, you are not. Eve leans on the other side of me. But is that because of your father's good name and your mother's piety? I open my mouth to deny him, but no words come. Is it because you fear the locals finding out? He lifts his mask, and the sight draws a gasp from me. He is beautiful, like marble carved by an artist's gifted hands. Or are you simply afraid to admit what lies deep within you? How? I snap my mouth shut. I do not know of what you speak, sir. But you do, beautiful Alessio. How do I know? I can hear your thoughts when you trapse the piazza, see the way your gaze lingers on the artist's models and the way yearning pours from you when male beauty is around. I see more than you see yourself. I slam my drink down, fumbling with the empty glass as a servant appears with another tray, I take another one, but Eve removes the glass from my hand. Come with me, Alessio. Let me show you all that you are missing. I... I am soon to be betrothed. Next month. But not yet. My absence will be noted. Very discreetly, Eve's pinky finger brushes against mine where it rests on the railing. You are not ready. I will come again. He leans in, kissing both my cheeks. My eyes close, and when I open them again, he is gone. I search the home, but it is as though he never existed. Did I imagine his presence? For weeks, I look over my shoulder, constantly seeking the handsome stranger. One night, weeks later, I step out into the garden after dinner for some air. I can no longer stand the pompous discussion of business with my father's associates. I know I should pay attention. Someday I'll be expected to take over. But I cannot force myself to care. Frustration builds within me. My entire future was decided when I was still in my mother's womb. What my profession would be, who I would marry, where I would live, what I wouldn't give for the adventure offered by the mysterious Eve... I know you'd come around. I gasp when he appears behind me. How did you get into our garden? I have my ways. He walks slowly around the bench, sitting beside me and pulling my hand into his. I glance nervously at my home. Caro, Alessio, I am offering you a chance to carve your own destiny. Every day is an adventure of your own making. My brow creases, it's impossible. It isn't. He cups my chin in a strong but gentle hand. I can give you everything you desire. In exchange, you will give me companionship. Leave my family. Leave all of this. Join me. Travel the world. His hand moves to my neck and I swallow hard in anticipation of what he might do next. I can take care of you, Alessio. Better than your family. Better than any future wife. With me, you can have anything you want. How? I will show you. All you have to do is accept my gift. How do I accept? I will never do to you what was done to me. You must understand that this life you know will be out of your reach. It is for their own good. I will be your family now. Do you understand? I look back at my family home, thinking of my distant father, my devout mother, the sisters I already miss as they've been married off, the pretty but pious daughter of my father's associate I am to marry. Would I be missed? Could I give them up for an adventure with this man I don't even know? Of course, Eve says, you could go back inside, except the path already laid out for you. A pretty wife, restrained in her desire, save for children. A spot in your father's firm. A front row at church every Sunday. Respect from your neighbors. He smiles, as long as they never find out your true nature. His words sting. I would deny him, but they ring true. Would we live in Ireland? No. We will live wherever we choose. I would like to see the world. Wouldn't you? I nod. What is your decision, Alessio? I lift my eyes to his as my body rages with unknown emotions. I have never felt so drawn to another human. I must know why. I choose you. Eve smiles. I will come again tomorrow night. Spend the day saying goodbye to your old life. No, I want to do it now. Shall I pack a bag? His eyes soften. Anything you wish to keep? If you are sure, meet me in Piazza della Signoria at midnight. We will go from there. I nod. I will be there. Listen to me. You may not tell your family about me, or that you plan to leave. It is best. They will mourn you, but I assure you my way is most kind to them. I believe you. Eve leans close and kisses my cheek. I will see you soon. I watch him walk away, seemingly disappearing between the rose bushes. Adrenaline runs through my veins, but I feel no regret for my decision. I return to the house to find everyone in the same arrangement as when I left, My mother sits in a corner chair near the fire reading her Bible, while the men sit at the table talking of business. No one acknowledges me as I pass. Perhaps they won't mourn me after all. I pace my room for the remaining hour, gazing every so often at the small trunk packed with a few meaningful things. A gold ring worn by my grandfather in a box since it is too small for my fingers a handkerchief knitted by my youngest sister when she first learned, a book of poems my tutor gave me, and the bit of money I had stashed away. When the clock nears midnight, I creep quietly through the house, careful not to make a sound. I hurry through the dark streets, my identity hidden from casual viewers by the cloak surrounding me. I reach the piazza and spot him near Palazzo Vecchio, dressed in a deep purple cloak and black clothing. He turns in my direction as I approach, a smile spreading across his face. The piazza is empty except for a few drunkards lurking in the shadows. All the respectable citizens of Florence are tucked away in their homes. Hello, Alessio. Hello, Eve. You have not changed your mind? I am here, yes? Yes. He steps forward, and upon reaching me slides his hand across my neck to rest behind it. I am delighted. Like the night at the ball, his eyes seem to glow, even in the dim light of the piazza. He opens his mouth, revealing sharp canine teeth I hadn't noticed before. Tonight, I will make you mine in all the ways two men can unite. A shiver runs down my back, as I realize what I have stepped into. Are you the devil? Eve laughs. Far from it. I am simply a man seeking companionship and beauty. Do you fear me now? I shake my head. No. I think I should, though. I will not harm you. Only please you. Give me your scarf. I untie the cream silk and hand it to him now my beautiful prince of florence let us begin he lowers his head and i gasp as sharp teeth pierce my skin as my life drains away i watch my bloodied scarf fall to the ground my initials embroidered on it so that no one will mistake its owner you are safe eve whispers as i fall slack in his arms you will always be safe with me My eyes flutter closed as his words offer strange comfort. What I didn't know then but would soon learn was that my life was far from over. It had only just begun. Chapter One Sin Formerly Alessio Current Day I enter the office of my boss and closest friend, Target DM has been sighted at a bar near Banks and Fifth. Eve looks up from the computer. Perfect. Do you want me to go with you? This is hardly worth your time. I can take Thorn. We'll be in and out in thirty minutes or less. Good. Eve smiles. We'll get the bonus payment for handling it in less than twenty-four hours. The idiot doesn't seem to be aware anyone wants him dead. Our good fortune... I'll look forward to hearing from you when it's finished. I exit his office and walk down the hall to the lounge where the rest of my brothers are hanging around. Thorn, he turns around, grinning. Yes? Want to help me take someone out? He jumps up. Do I ever say no to that? I chuckle. Not so far. The buckles on his combat boots jangle as he approaches me. We're both dressed in black, as we typically are. It helps us blend in at night, not to mention most of the locals in the urban wasteland known as New Onyx wear black as well. I grab my trench coat while Thorn shrugs on a leather jacket. Neither of us really need to block the cold, but it's another tactic we use to blend in. Keeping the mortals blissfully unaware of the vampires right under their noses is half the fun. The other half is the job, Veil Protection Service is a discreet murder-for-hire firm, sought out by the city's wealthiest, and sometimes deadliest, citizens. They don't know we're vampires either. All they know is that whoever they need taken out is handled and never heard from again. Not an ounce of evidence remains, thanks to magic from our resident witch, Vivian. They don't care how we do it, and we have an endless supply of blood for our coven. We have a few rules. No kids, no women, unless the client can prove they deserve to be taken out, and no one whose absence would cause too much concern. Kill the president? Not so much. The best part is there is always work for us. What are you thinking about over there? Thorne asks, bumping my arm with his as we pass through darkened alleys. About this job... "'Eve is a damn genius, isn't he?' "'Thorn chuckles. "'Sure the fuck is. "'It helps that this city is swarming with criminals. "'Could you imagine if we weren't here? "'It would be bad. "'Eve, my maker, for many years my lover, "'and now my best friend. "'I can't imagine how life would have turned out without his gift. "'I nod as we turn onto Fifth Avenue.' The journey that would take mortals no less than thirty minutes from our office took us about three. We both fall silent as we creep down the alleyway, our hearing tuned to the bastard who got off on charges of stalking women. Is our client part of the city government, or a stalking victim? Only Eve knows. We all decided the details are best left behind the scenes. We do know why they are targeted, which typically helps us build appropriate levels of rage. Murderers, abusers, rapists, pedophiles, all fair game for us. Sadly, a lot of what we do is to take care of what the justice system couldn't. Our attention is pulled behind us at the sound of heavy footsteps approaching. A man dressed in all black, including a cover over most of his face advances on us in what he must think is an aggressive manner. Reaching into his pocket, he pulls out a knife. I'm gonna need all your money and jewelry, rich boys, the man grunts, waving the knife at us. I raise my eyebrow while Thorn simply chuckles. I don't think so. Run along now before you get hurt. The man scoffs at me. Hand it over. You're in way over your head with us, Thorn says, his voice deepening as his fangs descend. If you want to live, I suggest you leave. You're threatening me? The man shifts back and forth on his feet, checking over his shoulder. I'll kill you both unless you hand over those watches. Glancing at Thorn, I roll my eyes. Mortals never understand. Shall we teach him a lesson? We absolutely should. What? Before the offensive man can finish his sentence, his feet are in the air and his back pressed up against the brick wall behind him. Thorn holds him up by his neck. The shock on the would-be thief's face is comical. I warned you. I smile, taking a moment to roll up my sleeves to deal with the asshole before our real target arrives. Thorn, would you prepare our guest, please? What the fuck is going on? Put me down. The man kicks his legs, trying to shove away from Thorn's vice-like grip. You had your chance to run, Thorn says, tearing the man's shirt open to expose his neck. He sniffs at the man. Acceptable. I step forward, lifting my hand so the man can see my long nails. His eyes grow wide. You really should be more careful. Sadly, this is a lesson you will not live to share. The man's mouth drops open. What is this? What are you? I'm a vampire, obviously. Those are my last words before I sink my teeth into the man's neck, tearing at his flesh until his blood spills down my throat. Pure exhilaration flows through me. The man's fear enhances his taste, adding layers to his essence. His screams are music to my ears. I motion for Thorn to join me, only pulling back briefly. Please feed, my friend. The man claws at my shoulders, but I feel his strength draining as easily as his blood. Thorn bites into his neck on the opposite side his eyes meeting mine as we feed. Once the man's body slumps against us and the river of blood becomes nothing more than a trickle, Thorn releases him, letting his body fall to the ground. I wipe the blood from my chin, gazing at Thorn while he does the same. After a moment, his eyes meet mine. I'll take care of this. Do you want to peek into the restaurant for the target? Yes. I walk farther down the alley, keeping an eye out for the man. The call we got earlier from one of our contacts letting us know he was here was only a short time ago. I stop at a bar's back door when I see the black Lamborghini parked nearby. Perfect. I lean against the car, nudging it enough to make the alarm go off. The back door of the bar flies open, and the vile little man turns off the alarm with his key fob, focusing on me in the dark. Get the fuck off my car, he growls. Daryl Matthews? Fuck off, he answers. I already dealt with you assholes last month. The payment's been made. I chuckle. I'm not here for your car. I'm here for you. What? Fourteen women in three years. I straighten, taking a step towards him. He's much shorter than me, which isn't unusual, but I'd say he's barely 5'5". With a pudgy stomach, balding head, and outdated clothes, he must look ridiculous getting into such a sleek car. We're told he's a cyber security expert. But you were acquitted on a technicality, What's this about? You need some money? One of those lying bitches trying to blackmail me? Money won't get you out of this. Not this time. I step under the lit bulb of the bar, holding my hand up to reveal my nails, and delighting when Daryl gasps from their sharpness. Did you do it? Did you terrorize those poor women, then pay off some jurors? I ain't telling you shit. He pulls a gun from the inside of his jacket. You need to get the fuck out of here. Daryl gasps as Thorn grips his arm from behind. I don't think you answered the question, Daryl. Did you stalk those women, I ask? He swallows hard, his eyes shifting left and right, looking for help. "I I don't gotta tell you nothing. Well... If you're a God-fearing man, like most of you pieces of shit tend to be, you might want to say your prayers. His mouth drops. I never hurt no one. I didn't touch him. Do you really think that matters? I ask, as Thorne does the honor of tearing the man's shirt. Do you think those women could sleep? Go out at night? Take a shower in peace? I... I... I heard you got into their apartments, Thorn says. Hid cameras, you sick fuck. Daryl starts shaking. I couldn't help it. That's okay, Daryl, I say, this time showing my fangs. We'll make sure you won't do it again. I lunge at the man, tearing into his neck, grinning at having a second feeding so soon after the first... After only a few seconds, I step back, letting Thorn have his fun as he tears into the man's belly. Since I ripped out his throat, he can't scream, so I just watch for a moment before taking his key fob from his shaking hand. We'll get rid of the car, and he'll simply go missing. The back door of the bar swings open, and a man steps outside with two trash bags in his hand. He doesn't even look in our direction as he turns the other way to put the bags in the dumpster. Thorn looks up sharply, narrowing his eyes. I nod, walking with purpose to the young man, wiping the blood from my chin. When I reach him, I grab his arm as he walks up the steps again. He turns around, gazing at me with a blank expression, and my jaw drops. He is beautiful. Big brown eyes stare back at me, full of youth and sensuality. His full lips part as the tip of his tongue darts out to soothe their dryness. I'd look at the rest of him, but I can't tear my eyes away from his face. He drags a hand through wavy, dark brown hair that reaches just below his shoulders. I didn't see anything, he says, his voice soft and sweet, the way I imagine an angel sounds. What? The man shrugs. Whatever you're doing, I didn't see it. Oh, I shake my head. You're sure? A lot of shit happens back here, man. I just want to do my job, get paid and go home. Can I go back inside now? What is your name? He looks uncomfortable. I'd rather not tell you. Like I said, you don't exist to me. I won't harm you. Please, tell me your name and I will go. I send a subtle wave of compulsion through him. Bowie. Bowie, I repeat, releasing his arm. He slips inside without looking back. I find myself still staring at the closed door when Thorne appears beside me. You let him go? I nod, turning to my friend. He can be trusted. I felt his intention. He is used to things happening out here. That's between you and Eve. You ready to go? Yes. I toss him the key fob. You can drive. As we slide into the car, I stare at the building, desperate for another glimpse of the stunning young man. I have to see him again. I have to make him mine. Thank you so much for listening to this special preview of Eternal Sin by Mia Monroe. This audiobook and others will be available through our online store for only $2.99 on February 29th. If you're listening to this after the sale, you can join our Patreon for only $5 and receive a 40% discount on all previously produced audiobooks. Or you can join at the $10 level, still get that discount on past audiobooks, And you will receive our future productions as a perk of membership. Visit hoofandfangpodcast.com to link to our online store and Patreon. You can also find those links in our show notes. And please join us every Friday as Maz and I talk about more incredible queer speculative fiction and the authors and creatives who bring them to life. Subscribe to Hoof and Fang wherever podcasts are available.